Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. What makes a good team? How do you create a good culture? That's at the heart of the discussion each week here on the Playmakers Playbook. And leading teams is a business that specialises in answering those questions. They've done it to great effect for two decades now, playing their part in some of the biggest sporting success stories here in Australia and New Zealand. This is the Playmakers Playbook, brought to you by BuildCorp, protecting their people and projects through adaptability and proactive safety. I'm Nick McArdle, host of the Playmakers Playbook. If you want to be a better leader in business or sport, or if you simply love a good story, this podcast is for you. This week's guest played and coached across a number of clubs in the NRL long enough to know the key differences between a good and bad culture. Kurt Wrigley has taken all of that experience into his role with leading teams. 16 of the 18 AFL clubs have engaged the organisation, along with a number of NRL clubs, the Waratahs, Diamonds... Boomers and Opals, as well as the Australian and New Zealand men's cricket teams. Today, you'll get a taste of some of the lessons they've learned. So Hawthorne have done it. The first team in the 18-team competition to go back to back to back. They're three pieces. They are remarkable. Well, that's just one of the success stories leading teams has been a part of, Hawthorne's three-peat between 2013 and 2015. Kurt Wrigley, welcome to the Playmakers Playbook. Yeah, thanks for having me, Nick. Been looking forward to this chat. Uh, more about the business shortly, but but you are probably a perfect fit for your role, given that you had that lived experience as a player in, in rugby league and then later as a coach so I guess a lot of what you learn through that time you, you've brought to your day-to-day now yeah absolutely um and I, I guess I didn't sort of run into leading teams until I'd finished playing uh, but I think along the way as a player and I, I didn't have a long a long you know distinguished career but um I noticed things along the way and you know I sort of could feel um, when a club had things going well and a good, strong culture. And I also, you got the feeling pretty quickly when when a club or an organisation didn't have it going well. So, yeah, no, the, the, the journey's been great. Um, and, and I guess being a client of leading teams at three different organisations, three different NRL clubs, um, was a real eye-opener for me. So it sort of, again, it, I guess it confirmed that, you know, the power of sort of the stuff we do. Um, you know, we, when I worked at Newcastle, we were coming off two wooden spoons. But when I was at South Sydney, we were a, a really high high quality team that wanted to, you know, take that next step and be a premiership winner. So um, it's been it's been great to be part of. So obviously during the, the stretch 
when you were wearing the boots and you had the, the shorts and the jersey on, you, you would have seen good cultures and bad cultures, like you say. Um, and, and how did that extrapolate onto the field? How did that reflect in on-field performance? Is, you know, what is that direct correlation? And was it always a direct correlation? Yeah, I think it was. Um, you know, and I can just experience, as I said before, you can notice things really early on um, in terms of <clears throat> when you come into a club, how you feel welcome, any organisation really, how you feel welcome, who, you know, shows you the ropes, who, you know, lets you know what the expectations are or do you just discover it by doing something wrong? <laughs> you know, um, and, and look, I sort of reflect on, you know, when I first went to, when I first moved down to Sydney and played at Cronulla, um, and I can still remember, you know, the, I think it was about our fourth training session and um, we had the um, executive come in and address the players and, you know, um, announce to everyone that, you know, we've all got to chip in. We're doing it financially tough this year and, you know, everyone's got to take a 20% pay cut, you know, and, and back then it was, I wasn't on much anyway. So, and all the guys I was sitting there sort of said, oh, well, I'm on nothing. So 20% of nothing's nothing. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it was, a, you could see how it, it, it upset some of the senior players. The players take a key role in, you know, what's done around here. And when I moved on to play to St, you know, at St George, I really quickly noticed the standards, you know, um, you know, if, if I can remember one, one of my first sessions at St. George, you know, I didn't go around a hat, <laughs> it, was, you know, it was on a run and, and, you know, I probably would have got away with that at Cronulla, you know, um, but, and, and it was a player who was not a senior player, but someone said to me, we don't do that around here, you know, so pretty quickly you got the message, you know, that, um, these are the expectations here and um, we don't, yeah, we don't put up with that. Yeah, if you, you can go and apply your trade somewhere else. So, so it seems to me that they're often quite simple things, you know, standards, communication. Like it's, not, it's not rocket science. Yeah, absolutely. And, and not only that, but it wasn't, it, it felt like, that's George anyway, it felt like no one was having a go at me. They, they actually cared enough about me to tell me. <laughs> You know, um, but but it's also about, you know, um, they they did it respectfully. They didn't try and put me down. You know, so and I I felt you know I trusted their intent in some sense. So you look at all those things that you picked up over the years, and and then you're able to to bring them into leading teams. And you know, it's an incredible read to see the elite sporting teams that leading teams has worked with over the years. 16 of the 18 AFL clubs, and I mentioned the Hawks off the top, but certainly the Swans, more recently Port and the Lions, um, St. George, the Knights, the Sharks, the Eels in the NRL, and, and you've been closely associated with the Eels, the Waratahs in Rugby Union, the Diamonds, uh, the Boomers, the Opals, and uh, the Australian and New Zealand men's cricket team so mm. so you are talking about some incredibly elite athletes and and elite organizations what does leading teams bring to uh to all of those already high achieving organizations so i guess our purpose is to help um teams and individuals improve performance but you know ours is a method that sort of requires 
the leadership or the coaching staff or the administration to engage and empower the playing group. So, um, you know, we find that unless, well, as a general rule, even in even in corporate, you know, unless people really feel like their opinions heard, unless they weigh into decisions, they won't really buy in. So, um, and that's the first bit, you know, and and I know when Ray was working with um, Paul Ruse early on uh, in the early two thousands. That's Ray McLean, Ray McLean, the, the the founder. Yeah, yeah, Ray McLean, and and he, um, Paul Ruse said to him, you know, I've played. 350 games of AFL footy <laughs> and I can't really remember a coach asking for my view, <laughs> you know? So um, it's just unlocking that, all of that knowledge, um, you know, and getting buy-in and I guess, and, and look, when, when we work with not only sporting teams, but companies, I, th- I think often what they'll do is sort of, you know, the leadership or the coaching staff will, think up some buzzwords or some, you know, what what identity the team wants to have, you know, um, in, in terms of behaviour. And then they'll sort of plaster them around, you know, the work site. And, you know, they, then they wonder why people just sort of walk past them and they don't have any, you know, connection to them. So I guess that's the first – and that was, a, that was a real change when Ray started working with those uh, AFL clubs to – engage the team so firstly you know do an audit and i can remember um when i first started with Parramatta, um they just come off the wooden spoon i think in 2017 it might have been and we were on their their pre-season camp and and having really open honest conversations about you know how would we be seen by other clubs you know um and some of the words that they came up with weren't great, you know, and 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 so this wasn't about, you know, I guess living there and sort of wallowing in that. It was okay. That's it is what it is. Um, we've sort of got to own that in some sense. But what what do we want it to look like? You know, what sort of team would we like to be, and what real a sort of a clear set of behaviours? And we don't want to like a code of conduct like. But what are some a broad set of behaviours we could, as a group, adhere to, you know, um, going forward, you know? So, yeah, and and I think that's the power in it, getting them to come up with it or at least agree to it. Um, and then how are they going to hand it on to new people when, you know, at the end of that next year, you know, sort of thing, so... Yeah, so they, yeah, they them on the journey. Yeah, so so if if they're if they're involved in the creation, they're more likely to to live it. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Um, you've touched, I think, on on the first of the core principles um, for leading teams, and, and that is that culture of empowerment 
and the way that drives success. I just want to work through them one by one, and there's there's five of them as I understand it. The second one being high-performing teams have high-performing leaders. Can you just talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the, first of all, the leaders are more about influence, so less about their tenure, how long they've been there, how even their position. Um, so it's more about... Yeah, which are the people in your organisation or your team that that have influence? Um, and then the next question is, are they influencing the right way? You know, are they taking us in the right direction and uh, or are they actually influencing us down a, the wrong path? So so that's the bit you, you need to get those people on board. And and when we talk about influence, um, the the... I guess the three variables for us is firstly, they've got to be people who are modeling the right behavior because they have to have a leg to stand on. And then, and then if I'm going to influence other people, you know, the two levers that I use is looking out, you know, looking out for other people that are doing it and, and recognizing and rewarding and noticing it. All right. Um, so that's the first bit. And then the second bit is if I see, things that are outside our agreed behaviours that I'll challenge, you know, so challenge the behaviour but support the person. So, and I think that's the big difference with teams that in, and organisations that empower the group. Um, if, if, if you have, if you feel like you've been part of that and you see something that's not right, you'll be less likely to sort of look at each other and go, well, when's the, When's management going to do about do something about that? Or when's the coach going to, you know, they'll actually, when they see something, they'll do something about it and they'll nearly self-manage. Mm. So that's what we're trying to trying to do is to get teams to, to self-manage more, um, make it clear or their, what are their roles, clear on behaviour, and then they can. They can self-manage, you know, and 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 that's more powerful, we think, if, if, if you're guided back into line by your peers mm, rather than someone with a big stick at the top of the food chain uh, absolutely the next one is clarity of purpose and i guess some of that feeds into this clarity of purpose and the way that aligns a team and you know provides that clear goal that that everyone can can get on board and, and work towards yeah well yeah obviously we, we think it's something that's probably skipped over a little bit with with some teams and organizations and and in the sporting sense, when you, you know, when you ask groups, you know, what do you think the purpose of an NRL team or a, what do you think the purpose of an Australian cricket team may have been at one stage? What do they say? They say, oh, to win. And that's obvious, you know, but we would sort of say, well, yeah, that's a result or an outcome. Well, what is, what is the reason why they exist? You know, so, and I'm not sure if you, Nick, if you caught the, um, the test on Amazon Prime. So, you know, and you can see where teams can get into trouble if winning or being the number one, you know, cricketing nation or whatever, if, if that is their only focus in terms of purpose, that can get them into trouble. You know, um, Essendon found that <laughs> with, their, with their drug scandal, you know. Um, so trying to get teams to – and we had it at um, – um, at South Sydney, we, you know, we had the conversation about why do we exist as a team, and you know, we we talk about yeah, winning the comp, yeah, anything else, <laughs> anything higher level than that. And I think when 
for people that don't know, you know, South was thrown out of the competition um, in those early 2000s and we, they had 100,000 people march on Town Hall. They had pensioners giving their 5 and $10 in to get the club back. Luckily, they were able to, you know, I guess um, get some big hitters to, to stump up some money and get it going. But once the players actually learned a bit more about the history of that, um, it was more a sort of about repaying the fans for what they did to get them back in. So, and that can impact them at training, outside of training, at a, you know, at a sponsor's function, at a community event. So it, it sort of connects everyone to the the big picture, you know, and whether they're the best player in the team and the highest paid player or whether they're, you know, squad member number 37 or whatever. So if you, and that's, I think, is the, the challenge of leadership to connect everyone to why we are all in this. So with with the Australian cricket team, I think they sat down and, and kicked that around and sort of said, well, you know, yes, we want to win, but on the way we want to be a team that our whole country is proud of, et cetera, et cetera. So, Respect Baggy Green was the, was the key message, wasn't it? That's right. So with the uh, corporates that you work with then, for example, I mean, to me, it's a lot more simple to come to that conclusion within a national team environment or, or a team that you know you've got supporters. What does that look like for a, for a corporate? Yeah, obviously, you know, the, I guess the connection of, with corporate could be to make money, <laughs> you know, and, and, and again, sometimes I'll say, well, I'm not sure how the person on reception who's earning 35 grand, I don't know how they're going to, how that's going to get them out of bed and earn you a lot of money up the top. <laughs> So, again, taking the whole group on that journey a little bit about, you know, why, why do we do what we do? Um, what, what purpose? Can, can we actually come to a sort of a, an agreement there or get a common purpose that, regardless of your role, can sort of attach me to that? And, and it differentiates us from the mob down the road that are doing the same thing. That, in a sense, um, feeds into the next core principle about relationships and and mutual trust and respect and and them being a key element to that team success i guess you know what you've just talked about it touches on that but that's that that that's the common purpose isn't it yeah absolutely yeah if we can tie into that um but also if if you know if we come from a place of mutual trust and respect we can we're more likely to be able to have more open dialogue you know um um so, or, 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 you know, I'm able to give you some feedback to help you get better. And if I don't have that trust, it's not really going to land. Mm. You know? um, so critically, that's, that's a component that we work hard with teams um, so that they can have those robust conversations so people won't take it personally. You know, it's just about us getting better, not me being right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and those those robust conversations uh, can only be had if you've got the agreed behaviours and, and values um, that are being embraced by the team, and and that is your your final core principle. Everyone's on the same page. That's it. So that connects everyone. In t- that's our constitution as a team. So um, so if I do, um, you know, pull you up on a behaviour, um, it's not personal. 
it's it's based on what we agreed. So um, yeah, and then and I think I think with our stuff, when we, we we call them genuine conversations, and you probably get to that, but genuine conversations take many forms. It's not just noticing that what people aren't doing well. It's it's absolutely looking out for people that are doing the right thing and and going the extra yard. So uh, how does that all come together? over time in the teams that you've worked with and, and that your colleagues have worked with, that doesn't necessarily guarantee success, does it? You know, getting all those things right. Um, how far can that take you and, and what are the other things that you need before you, you're lifting that premiership cup? You know, we talk about for me to trust someone else in the team, I've got to trust their competence. <laughs> so they have to have the skills to do the job. You know, they they have to have talent. Um but also, you know, how does that, how do those skills hold up under pressure? Um, so there's that bit, and um, but we 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 try and balance that out with, you know, we're looking for people that have talent, absolutely. But how's their character, you know? So and I guess the definition of character for us is, um, you know, are you good for your word, and will you put the team before yourself when required? So it's not that I'm all in for team and nothing for me. That doesn't work either. So it's it's that balance of, you know, when we recruit people, it's not just looking for they can, they've you know, they've got the talent or the skills to do this and same in corporate. And I think that's what teams do get caught with. You know, they don't, I guess, inquire or find out about are they a cultural fit for us? The teams that have really strong culture look for that first nearly. Obviously, people need to have some talent, but they'll pick on character first. And, and it, that happened with the Australian cricket team. I think Justin Langer talked about character over cover drives. You know, that, that's how he was going to select the team. And he was really clear early on. Um, but um, And you look at the Melbourne Storm. Um, they've made a few recruitment um errors along the way, but they don't last long. <laughs> you know, they get moved to another club quickly, whereas I think clubs that don't have a real sense of what their culture is or they don't know what they're looking for, they just pick people who are good, um, they sometimes get caught with them for a long time and they don't know how to move them or, yeah, don't know how to help them. So you can buy the biggest name. You can buy the most talented uh, player or the most skillful player, but if it's not right for the culture, it doesn't matter. Absolutely. Or they don't have an environment where, you know, the, the players have much say. They get to pick the uniform that they wear on game day. That's it. Mm. You know, so, um, and that's what happens when a coach leaves. You know, that's a coach that's fairly autocratic and, you know, things don't get done around here unless I tick off on them. Um, unfortunately, when they leave, the place falls to pieces, you know, and sometimes they can wear that as a bit of a badge of honour. But um, so we talk to not only teams, but individuals, you know, leaders about, you know, what's your legacy? You know, what do you want to leave behind? Um, yeah, do, do you want it when you leave, everything falls to bits? Or do you want to – and the same with senior players. When they're getting closer to the end – um, what role can you play in developing those younger players underneath you? Mm. You know, um, so, and that's what that's what leadership we think is. 
it's what you leave behind, not what you take. Is there also a role for an organisation um, such as yours to consult with, now you're talking about you know, the, the work that you do with organisations, but have you ever had the opportunity to consult with players and say, listen, for you, um, let's have an honest conversation here. Um, you're an average player. If you go over here to a club that hasn't got a great culture, you will continue to be an average culture, average player. It may even shorten your career. But if you go here, let's say in the Melbourne Storms case, you can actually be a uh, a really legitimate player within this competition, or or a, or a much be better grand player. Final yeah. Grand final so yeah. so so is it important that individuals actually take on board some of what we've been talking about? Well, absolutely, and and I think that's probably what doesn't happen because I'm not sure that player managers or agents understand that, and sometimes they might be just want to, wanting to go to the highest bidder, which, as you pointed out, that can really shorten the life of a player, mm. particularly if they're not overly talented, you know. But um, yeah, so I, I think I yeah we, look we do we do some work with senior senior leaders and leadership groups and emerging groups in in clubs you know um and that's getting them to think about you know what a yeah what, what's the club the best fit for me um you know how do i impact you know how do i have an impact on the culture here um all of those things come into play but that's 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 uh, Definitely something worth thinking about if you're a player. We've talked about uh, elite sporting teams. We've talked about, um, you know, large corporates. But sometimes I like to think that, you know, maybe the local sporting team is, is having a listen to these things and can pick things up or, or even a, a small business around the corner. And we talked about those core principles. But if you can leave, leave us with just a, a couple of things for someone, you know, who's, who's not full-time, not getting paid, but they just love their their sport, whatever it might be, or they're trying to, you know, run their small business, what are the things they should be thinking about day to day? We think the stuff that we do can work across any given team, you know, and that was the, that was the title of Ray's first book. Um, and we work with, you know, husband and wife businesses, you know. Um, so I guess, and, and as they scale up or even if they stay small, um, I think the big bit is 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 about having real clear expectations, you know. So both on people's roles and responsibilities, so on that mechanic side, but but also on the behavioural side, you know. So have those conversations about what sort of group and what sort of team do we want to be, and what does that look like in action, and even you know talking about you know what are the behaviours we don't tolerate here. If you can have those conversations, you can make it clearer for people and then they can get on with their work and, and as I said, nearly self-manage. So that's the role of leadership to to create clarity um, and I, I think it's a real business imperative, not only in terms of performance and being able to stay you know, afloat during you know these times that we're in now, but also for people's well-being. Can we have genuine conversations about performance so people... You know, they feel like they're empowered. They feel like they're valued at work. That impacts them at home. That impacts them as a parent. You know, um, I'm not sure you're like me, Nick, but if I have a bad day at work, it, it comes home with me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and vice versa. You know, if, if something's going on at home, it, it impacts me at work. So very hard to really clearly 
define work, you know, some people can do it better than others, but get a real idea of what your team identity is and then build real trust within your team so that you can help people get better, you know, so that if, you know, if you've got to have those genuine conversations with people, that they know you're coming from a good place. Yeah, the, the consultation piece is really interesting. And, I, you know, I don't think that has ever changed for me from my first job as a, what was a 2021-year-old 20, um, to be asked what I thought of a particular issue or process felt good. And I still got that feeling, um, you know, still had that feeling at the age of, you know, 50 to be asked my opinion on something. You think, wow, I'm, I'm valued here. That's, that's really important. Yeah, no, no doubt. And it's, it's, if, if you've got an environment where people can see something that could help that place get better and it can't get to the table, you deserve mediocrity. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's... So, you know, we, we, we sort of say that, that quote, none of us is smart as all of us, you know, and, and do you really believe that? Or, you know, if you think, if you think your players are just, resources to be exhausted and used up then they'll feel that they'll notice that yeah will they really give their 110 percent for you and finally um you know you, you're working with all these organizations to try and make them better where do you go for your for your wisdom and and to help you develop as this facilitator and leader within your area of uh, of expertise yeah absolutely i'll obviously learn off some of the people that I'm le- that I'm working with, sorry, um, but but you know podcasts and reading and um, a number of great books and also my colleagues at leading team. So we we actually spend a lot of time on training and development, and um, we well we normally get together every six weeks in Melbourne, but obviously now it's on Zoom. But um, yeah, we engage in. Um, a lot of feedback so um we open ourselves up to you know getting observed um you know um so that and and i think initially it was a bit of a bit confronting you know someone's telling me what i've done wrong and right you know here but again it comes down to that you know if i really trust them and um you, they're thankful for it in the end um there might be a few things that sting a little bit early but get over yourself quickly and and, and if I trust their intent, then I'd be crazy not to at least listen. Hey, Kurt, thanks so much for your time today. I mean, I, you know, I think obviously the people you work with uh, get huge benefit from this. I find it fascinating and, and I really hope that uh, those listening to the podcast today benefit as well. It's important stuff. Thanks for joining us on the Playmakers Playbook. Yeah, thanks for having me, Nick. Enjoyed that. Kurt Wrigley and some of the leading team's philosophy on this week's Playmakers Playbook. Some great little nuggets of advice in there. The Playmakers Playbook is brought to you by BuildCorp, where great teams are built on shared values. It's available wherever you get your favourite podcasts and make sure you subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Leave a five-star rating and a review. That helps others find us. And if you really did enjoy it, tell a friend. I'm Nick McArdle. Join me next time on The Playmakers Playbook. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 